All right, Josh, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. Welcome to Podmosh. Um, man, I uh, I saw one of your your videos about homeschooling, and it, it made me laugh because I was like, hey, man, this this guy's saying all the same stuff that I kind of thought. Um, so tell me a little bit about what made you start this channel, the, the your podcast, all the whole nine yards. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, thanks for having me on the show, Caleb. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm the host of the Homeschool Effect, which is a podcast for homeschool graduates and homeschool mentors that just share their advice, offer ideas to homeschool families. Um, and the reason I started the show, the podcast specifically, is because, you know, I was talking with my mom one day and she was kind of expressing kind of all the challenges she faced, you know, homeschooling my siblings and I growing up. And I'm like, wow, I'd, I'd never really kind of knew you faced those those problems and challenges and objections. To me, it seemed like you have everything, everything together. Um, and, you know, looking around, you know, a lot, I know a lot of parents are facing the same thing right now, quitting, you know, just the struggles. And uh, I just wanted to show just a different perspective because there's a ton of there's tons of podcasts out there from homeschool moms talking to mm-hmm. other homeschool moms. Right. There's a billion. And I was like, you know, there's really not someone out there that's a homeschool graduate sharing their experiences to, to other homeschool homeschool families saying, hey, you know, I was homeschooled. It's OK. I turned out fine. And uh, here's some tips and tricks that my mom did to help us. Um, so it's just a platform of encouragement and just advice as well that uh that i can share then also i have a ton of other other people on that could share as well that's why i started the oh, yeah. effect yeah and it, uh it's uh there's a lot to be said there that's it's a very niche topic that um not very many people know about when you when you think of homeschoolers you think of the guys or the, the ladies who are extremely sheltered they don't know how to dress or style themselves uh they don't know how to talk to people and that's just that's bottom line not the case right Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's always like one, right? There's always one. And everyone points <laughs> to that person like, hey, there's the awkward homeschooler. But for every one awkward homeschooler you can point out in the crowd, there's probably 30 others that you just don't even know that were homeschooled. Or did you ever go to like what state do you live in? I live in Texas right okay. now, but I grew up, you know, up and down the East Coast, Midwest, Southwest. So I've lived in a lot of different places, homeschooled in each of them. Yeah. So did you ever go to Six Flags on homeschool day? I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is like the epitome of what people think homeschoolers are actually like. Right. Right. Oh, it's bad, man. What do you got? Like 15 family members and one all wearing the same color jean dress. It's like, oh, okay. color jean dress. Yeah. All right. I, I get how people can have that uh, idea about how homeschoolers are. And right. I, I think we're here to kind of show that that's bottom line, not the case. Yeah. I mean, just look at homeschoolers like in movies. Every time a homeschooler is in a movie or a TV show, they're always represented as the weirdo. Right. <laughs> they're yes. never they're never the normal person. They're always kind of the weirdo, the freak, the socially awkward person um, wearing their Sunday best every day of the week. <laughs> that was <laughs> not know? the case. So tell me about how you grew up homeschooling. So what was your schedule like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously it was different for like elementary, middle and high school. But um, I'll, I'll say this, you know, elementary school, we always actually woke up with my five, four siblings and I, we woke up. Hey, and, I'm one um, of five as well. Oh, awesome. Great. What number? I am second youngest. Gotcha. I had to think <laughs> about, about that, that one first. <laughs> She's like, wait, I'm not middle, but I'm second youngest. I'm second oldest. So I'm an older okay. sister. Okay. Um, but we start our day with chores, right? We do our chores and then uh, we would start our, my mom would start our day with um, reading us a devotional. Right. And that's how we would start our day. And then the rest of the day we, she would, um, we would do our school and um, we would, deep dive into certain topics. So maybe she would read to us and uh, maybe we would do like our spelling and writing and all the things you kind of learn in in normal, typical school, like how to read, how to write. I think kind of what separates homeschooling from, from uh, public school is when you get a little bit older in middle school and high Mm -hmm. school. Um, 
you know, our day was um, in middle school, high school was teaching ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom, you know, yeah, she could teach us how to read and write calculus, pre-calculus, maybe not so much, but that's when, you know, we would have curriculum where we would teach ourselves or learn through the curriculum how to do mm-hmm. algebra two, algebra, yep. you know, trigonometry, trigonometry, trigonometry. There we go. Calculus. <laughs> and, um, and basically, you know, when we were done with our school, we were done. Right. And yep. so <laughs> there's, this is when the self-discipline kind of kicks in. Right. For me, I was usually done around 1 PM and I was done for the entire day with my schoolwork. Mm. My brother who maybe needed a little bit more structure and a little more discipline. Sometimes he'd be done around three. Sometimes he'd be done around six, just depending on how much he would, yeah. uh, you know, he'd get focused on, but, um, and that's a cool highlight though, because yeah, each person, each, each student needs a different type of teaching style. Exactly. And the thing that homeschooling does is give a specific type of teaching style to the student. And that's what we're lacking in the modern day public education system. Oh, totally agree. Totally agree. Um, I would say like, like my senior year, my brother got it together because he was, <laughs> he was tired of being left out because I, he had, hang out with, I had siblings like that, man. I feel yeah. that <laughs> he couldn't hang out with us because he had a schoolwork to do in the late in the evening. Um, but I would say one of the, one of the cool things about homeschooling is, um, you know, you can kind of deep dive into, into topics and subjects. Um, you know, I think of, I'm thinking of history specifically, right. I think in public school, at least from what I'm told from my wife, that was public schooled and a whole bunch of other people that were public schooled is history is just memorizing dates, right. And events. And that's it, you know, for homeschooling, it's uh, reading, like spending three weeks on a, on an autobiography of mm. someone in like world war two, you know, it's, it's watching documentaries on world war two. Oh yeah. It's um, you know, spending like six months on ancient, like Egyptian history. And then watching a movie, even old fictional movie uh, that took place in ancient Egypt. And then we would discuss what was accurate about the film, what was not. Mm. It was eating the food that, you know, that they had during the time. It was putting on the makeup and the clothes, you know. Hmm. It was actually diving into the history and the culture that we would spend, you know, months on. And, you know, we would remember it and we'd learn it. So is history kind of, was that kind of your niche subject? Yeah, that was, my, that was my favorite subject yeah. growing up. <laughs> yeah, I feel I can tell. I can tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was the biggest takeaway with that type of of uh, style of learning for you? Yeah, I think it was that learning. It was I think just recalling uh, throughout things that happened throughout history. You know why things are important. Looking at things in our in our current day and seeing like, okay, this is why that's important, and not kind of brushing it off. I mean, mm-hmm. there are so many things that I've heard people say, I, you know, of course I'm trying to think of something off, off the spot, but I can't, but it's just like, Oh, we should get rid of this system or we should get rid of that. Or we should do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, no, that we've, we've tried that throughout history before and, and it hasn't worked. Mm. Um, you know, or this is in place for this very reason. So it doesn't take advantage of people that don't have power or mm. are underrepresented. Um, just because you feel like this one day doesn't mean the next person in power <laughs> isn't yeah. gonna, isn't going to change things. Right. This is why we have these systems in place. So just just those things, you know, here and there. But, um, you know, it, it was my favorite subject, you know, in school was history. I would say my brother's as well. He has I mean, you see this bookshelf behind me. It's not full. He has like three or four of these and they're all history textbooks. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> he loves to read. Yeah. Whenever um, my parents needed a little help, we, we would go to co-ops. We went to, you know, probably three to four different co-ops, which is kind of like a, a, a charter school, a private school where you go two or three days a week, uh, two days a week, really for me. Um, sometimes really only once a week, I guess. 
depending on the co-op, uh, where you'd go and you'd socialize or whatever. And you, you do like chemistry. I, I took it in class. I took by a teacher, uh, a nurse, and I took biology also from a nurse. Um, and so did I actually, <laughs> there you go. There you go. What part of Texas are you in, by the way? I'm in Austin. I'm in the Austin area. Okay. That's right. I remember that. I'm in the DFW area. Okay. Um, but a lot of our, a lot of our teachers were people who were living that life, like living the subject that they were teaching. You know, my dad taught math cause he was phenomenal at math. He was already a math teacher. He was a pastor and a math teacher. Um, and he would teach other kids in that co-op math because he was very good at math. And so with my, with a science, it wasn't just like, you know, some mom getting up there and teaching me science. It was no, like this lady, you know, knows all the drug drips. She knows what, how to make crack, how to make math, all this stuff. And it's just, Heisenberg. It's, yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. Um, so it's really cool to see whenever there was, there are other resources that parents can use to, at their disposal. Um, than just themselves, because like from uh, other portions of math for me was like teaching textbooks. That was a big curriculum yeah, that I we use used. Those. Yep. I use those too. And it was way easier because I could go back and go at my own pace. Math was always my weakest subject. Um, and so one of the, uh, I was failing pre-algebra. I think it was in eighth grade. And my mom was like, Hey, let's just, let's just take a break from pre-algebra for a little bit. Let's let your brain catch up a little bit because she realized I was, I was struggling. Um, and then let's take a, a year break from algebra and then come back again. And then we'll, we'll do it again. And sure enough, the next year I did it, it everything clicked. Um, and that was also something I see not happening in public school education systems, where if somebody's failing, they're not giving their sometimes their time brain to develop into those traits, into those critical thinking processes or, or uh, troubleshooting processes in math for me, uh, where it's just like, for me, it just clicked. And it's because I had a, you know, one-to-one student-to-teacher ratio and also something that's lacking in the public the public school system, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I want to touch on two things you said. Number one is like, um, you know, unfortunately in the public school education system, sometimes, you know, instead of, you know, repeating the course, you know, like pre-algebra doing poorly, sometimes they'll just pass you so they don't have to worry about you again. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you move on to algebra one and you're just not prepared. Yep. And you're just set up for failure for the rest of your math career. <laughs> you yep. think you're terrible at math and she's like, no, you just need to take a break or a pause. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just don't get that opportunity when you're being pushed through the system. Yeah. And, and for me, it was, you're exactly right too. But for me, it was also, I, I like practicality. That's why I love like science was my niche still is my niche. I love science. You know, in my junior year of high school, I actually did my own science and learned how to mix chemicals and just make explosives. That was a terrible idea, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but with math, uh, I needed something that was practical. I need something that was more applicable to what I like. Why am I going to use this? You know, what is the this life scenario where I was going to use this, you know, 50 step problem in algebra? Um, and as time went on, I realized, OK, because like right after high school, I was probably 18, 19. I got my pilot's license and that's trigonometry. And that's showing why the numbers matter. That's showing um, the practicality of math. And even though I hated math, I said I would never use it again. You know, in high school, I was able to see what that could lead to one day. And sure enough, I was able to get my pilot's license because of that, you know? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so there's, a, there's a lot there. It's There is. Yeah, definitely. You know, the second thing I wanted to touch on was just, um, you know, a lot of people when they think of homeschooling, uh, for people that are unfamiliar with homeschooling, they say, you know, why do you think your parent could teach you everything? Is your parent a subject in all, you know, the master in all subjects? Um, you know, that's just a silly statement. 
right? <laughs> I, that, that comes from, that's a lot of criticism I, I hear and receive from people that just don't understand what homeschooling is. Homeschooling mm-hmm. is uh, your parents facilitating your, you know, your education, just like you were mentioning before. You had teachers that were, you know, experts or, you know, worked in the field that they were teaching. You know, I had, like you, I had a nurse that taught me biology and chemistry. You know, I took, uh, I took logic and, um, and political science from a lawyer, from a New York city lawyer. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I learned, you know, apologetics and, um, you know, biblical history from a pastor, you know, uh, someone that has a degree. Is it what a ministry degree? What is it? Is that what it's, is that what it's called? There's, there's, yeah. Well, there's a, there's a ton of degrees that you can be to be, to be a pastor. There's right all the way up at a PhD. I think my dad has a master's is a uh, demon is what it's called. The, uh, Oh gosh. It's, D, it's not like D-E-M-O-N. It's an uh, acronym, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I shot myself in the foot. Uh, on no, you're good. Uh, but yeah, there, there is, to become an official pastor, I guess you have to go to seminary and then get, that's right. a grad and then your master's. And then if you choose to get your PhD, you can. But like my right. dad, my dad has a master's degree, was phenomenal at math, was on his way to get his PhD. And he was teaching us all sorts of subjects, you know, and I'm glad you kind of brought that up too. Cause like the standard of education is seems to be so low right now. There's just not a lot of like practicality, like the requirements for kids these days are extremely low in my opinion. Um, and so I have two kids, I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and I, I by far don't know, like I'm not a, uh, I don't have a teacher certificate. You know, I've got my bachelor's, I've got my EMT, my POTS license, insurance license, um, whole bunch of certificates just like that because I just I love learning, and I've realized that the because the standard of education has is at such a low bar early on. Like, what if I just raise that bar early on in the childhood? So between one and six, a child learns the most they'll ever learn in their entire life during those five years, roughly. Um, so from six to death, they're still not going to learn the the same amount of information as they will from one to six. So my wow. idea, yeah, I know it's kind of wild. So my thought process is like, okay, so if, if they're the most pliable then and most uh, able to absorb information, then let's just raise the overall standard of how they're taught earlier on. So at age four, three, four years old, I started teaching my son, you know, reading and writing and math. And he's five, he just turned five. Well, he turned five last June. So he'll turn six in, you know, if you can hear in a few months, he can do multiplication. He can read and write books, um, not full on books, but he can do uh, a whole bunch of things that are w- like probably five years above what the typical standardized system is. Like he just beat a 10 year old at speed math. I'm like, wow. how do you, like, how do you do wow. that? How do you do that? I know it's, is it's just showing like how easy it could not maybe, maybe not, not maybe easy, but how, um, practical just raising the overall standard of learning at an early age can be right right and i I hate to say this and it's not true for all public schools but you know they teach to the lowest denominator right the lowest uh, the lowest bar make sure everyone can get past that and then you know there are some schools for like you know the accelerated program but you know a lot of places especially places i've lived you know growing up they just teach through the lowest standard and i Mm -hmm. think it's awesome that if you can raise the bar you know set your own bar you know your kids can probably do things you kind of didn't even think they could do. <laughs> and that's kind of what I'm hoping, you know, you know, we, we don't know how to critical think in today's world, seemingly. Um, we don't know how to solve a problem. Um, it's really just solving whatever the person, whoever's teaching you gives you. And I'm kind of sick of that. Um, and so I want to personally, you know, if I continue to homeschool my kids throughout their entire life, depending on how our life is right now, 
Um, I, I would still like to be the main driver of education in my kids world uh, because I, I can see the value of of raising that bar where others can't. Now, there might be a school out there or schools out there, like maybe charter schools have a better you know teacher to uh, student ratio. But as of right now, what I'm seeing is that this system really works out well. Now, there's also the flip side of homeschooling. The flip side of homeschooling is that they, like we were raised for the most part, a pretty rigorous schedule. Um, our, our parents really invested tons of time into us. Um, but that's not how it is for every homeschooler. Uh, I've known homeschoolers who they literally slept until 11 o'clock in the morning, uh, did school how they wanted to do school, barely graduated, and were not prepared for the education system or the future or the world that uh, hap- that was there after they graduated high school. Have you seen that before? No. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are definitely homeschool horror stories, right? Um, I'm not talking about the ones where they're be- Use, but just the ones where their parents failed them, you know, they have a really bad taste in their mouth of homeschooling and, you know, they really have every right to be, mm-hmm. I could probably count them on, you know, probably one hand, how many families I knew. And remind you, I lived in a lot of places growing up, met a lot of homeschool yeah. families, probably count on my, on my, on my hand, how many homeschool families I knew that really were like that. I mean, like you, I knew this family that, um, you know, I, I don't know why their parents wanted to homeschool them, but you know, <laughs> they let them, they let them they did like an hour or two of schoolwork a day. Um, and this was like middle school, high school. So it wasn't like when they were young and then they let them watch TV all day. Mm. They watch nine, eight to 10 hours of TV a day. And I'm like, you're not, you're not setting your kids up for success whatsoever. Mm. And you know what? Their kids are doing awful today. Mm. One's in jail. Like one's been in and out of jail. One's been in, I don't know how many terrible, terrible, just like relationships. Mm. And, um, and they don't talk to their parents anymore. They hate their parents. Um, hmm. I don't know if I can blame them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a that's a tough situation. And we don't necessarily know what their parents were going through at that time. Maybe that was the only right. and best situation that they that they knew how to do. Um, but I guess it just goes to show, like, like each family has to make the decision that's best for their their children and their their family life. Um, and I wonder, you know, how like. You know, this, this podcast is not to bash public school systems or to bash or and, and, and say that homeschooling is a silver bullet to education. That's not necessarily the case. It's just showing that there's a gap, in, a, in my opinion, a gap in the education system today in our public school systems that are not preparing the current generation in the proper way, in my opinion. Would you agree? I, I do agree. I mean... And the stats don't lie. I mean, there's yeah. stats to back it up. <laughs> Speaking of, let's uh, let's let's look at that real quick. I pulled up a couple of research articles. This is called this is the National Home Education Research Institute. Um, these are just general facts and stats on and trends regarding homeschool versus uh, public school. So they're in uh, 2020 and 2021, the K through 12. There's about 3.7 million homeschool students. The K through 12 in America right now, we, I think we have 94 million. That puts into perspective. Um, so it says there were about 2.5 million homeschool students in the spring of 2019. Um, the homeschool population has been growing at an estimated 2% to 8% per, per year over the past several years, but it grew drastically from 2019 to 2020, which, you know, is pre-pandemic makes sense. Um, let's see. 
So there's a demographically wide variety of people who are homeschooling. There are atheists, Christians, Mormons, conservatives, libertarians, and liberals, low middle and low middle and high income families of all races, uh, with parents who are, have PhDs, GDs, or no high school diplomas at all. One nationwide study showed that 41% of homeschool students are black, Asian, Hispanic, and other, or non-white slash Hispanic. That was by the U.S. Department of Education in 2019. What's cool, this was a little, I didn't think about the economic burden. Taxpayers spend an average of $15,240 per pupil annually in public schools, plus capital expenditures. Um, the roughly 3.7 million homeschool students of 2020 to 21 represented a savings of over $56 billion for tax, for taxpayers. This is $56 billion that American taxpayers did not have to spend simply because that percentage of homes of people were homeschooled. Can I pause you right there? Yeah. I just want to say that you just, what you're reading shatters a lot of stereotypes that people have homeschooling. Number one, that it's only for wealthy white people, mm. right? 41% of homeschoolers are minorities, minority mm-hmm. families, you know? Number two is it, it ranges from, you know, every class, <laughs> yep. you know, there's a lot of people in the lower class that are homeschooling. A lot of people in the, you know, the upper class that are homeschooling, everyone in between. There's a, there's a ton, you know, that you just read. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it, you don't have to fit a demographic to mm-hmm. homeschool, you know, anyone can do it. There had to be sacrifices made, of mm-hmm. course, just like with any decision, but you know, it's, if you're not, <laughs> you can't homeschool. If, I think there's more people that can homeschool than they realize. Oh anyway, yeah. Uh, go ahead. No, go keep, ahead. I like this commentary. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, those uh, are just the thoughts I had right there. Go ahead. You can keep reading the stats. <laughs> Let's see. These, some of the reasons and motivation motivations for people who are to home educate. Um, most parents, they say, uh, decide to homeschool the youth for more than one reason. The most common reasons given for homeschooling are the following. It's a customized or individualized curriculum and learning environment for each child. So the learning environment is really cool because that's a big reason why right now that's what we're doing. Um, the outside world is no longer like an environment that kids can play in. You know, you start putting kids early on, you know, K through 12, you're in a building literally all day and recess has been taken away even more where you get in 30 minutes, if that, to play outside for children. And there's a book called The Last Child in the Woods, and he developed something called nature deficit disorder. This is a researcher who went around the around the country and showed how nature affects child learning behaviors. And he connected the lack of nature to so many mental health problems, obesity, um, confidence levels in children. It's wild how much nature plays a role in child development. And so he dubs this thing called nature deficit disorder. And if you ever get a chance to look that up, man, it's, it's wild how much it impacts. And so what we do, like, so today, you know, I'm, I'm doing speed math with my, you know, five-year-old son. And, and he's, you know, he's rattling off these equations, like, like nothing, but we're outside sitting in the grass or outside. We just built a playground and we're out in the playground. And it's, you know, 79 degrees outside and it's wonderful. And they're learning how to not only like, like playing outside by yourself is a safe environment, allows you, the child to develop confidence and decision-making abilities. Also risk management, very thing, the things like in, in when you're, when a child is in like a, a, uh, a building all day that's safe and doesn't have any type of uh, dangers because of liability. <laughs> um, the children don't have don't get the ability to develop risk management or risk assessment. Hey, this is a sharp stick. Hey, this is a glass, or you know, this is a brick, or that's a squirrel. Maybe I shouldn't go try and attack a squirrel. You know, those type of things um, play a massive role in child development, and it's called nature deficit disorder. 
Fun fact. Oh, wow. Awesome. All right, let's just skip over this a little bit. So academic performance, this is the one that I see a lot come up. Um, the home educated typically score 15 to 30 percentile points above public school students on standardized academic achievement tests. The public school average is the is in the 50th percentile and the score ranges from one to 99. A 2015 study found that black homeschool students to be scoring 23 to 42 percentile points above black public school students. And that's by Ray 2015. 78% of peer-reviewed studies on academic achievement show homeschool students perform st statistically significantly better than those in institu institutional schools. So all across the board, it's, it's, um, they achieve way higher on standardized tests. Social, emotional, and psychological development. Research facts on homeschooling show that the home educated are doing well, typically above average on measures of social, emotional, and psychological development. Research measures, measures include peer interaction, self-concept, leadership skills, family cohesion, participation in community service, and self-esteem. And that goes back to nature deficit disorder. When you're home, typically you're able to spend a lot more time outside as well as that one-to-one -one, um, student to teacher ratio. 87% of peer-reviewed studies on social, emotional, and psychological development show homeschool students perform statistically significant better than those in conventional schools. And it just goes on, like gender differences, success in the real world of adulthood, of adult, ugh, adulthood. Uh, yeah, it's literally every section homeschoolers are shown to perform better. So it's curious to me why there's such a huge push against the homeschool environment. Cause in Missouri, I lived in Missouri. We homeschooled in Missouri for about three or four years. Springfield, Missouri is where we were. And it was almost illegal there to the homeschool. Uh, kind of wild because, and I'm, you've, you've lived a lot of places. I'd like to hear your stories on this too, but we had friends who got searched by three black SUVs that came up to their front door and little had went through every wow. paper that our friends had written. They wow. made, yeah, it was wild. And that was only because a neighbor saw them playing basketball out front. Mm. It was, yeah, it was their situation. PE. Yo, you have. Tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. So Pennsylvania just wasn't very kind to homeschooling. Mm. At least when I was homeschooling. I don't know if it is anymore, but it's one of the strictest states. You know, they check on everything. And, oh, I think what it was is our, our mom you know, we were stopped. Uh, well, she took us grocery shopping, you know, because, you know, when you have five young kids, you just can't leave them at home. I think mm. we're all under age of like eight and there's five of us. Um, <laughs> so she took imagine. us to the grocery store and, um, you know, it wasn't hot or anything. We were just in the, in the, in the car as she ran it because she forgot something. So she took us in, did shopping and we came back and I believe she forgot something. So she ran in real quick to grab it. I think it was like a, a milk or something. And we were just sitting in the car. And someone saw that, you know, five kids were sitting in the car <laughs> during the day. And, um, you know, they, they called the police, you know, like, why are you in school? Did it take questioning like that? And my mom had just went, Hey, we're homeschooling. Like, Oh, well, do you have a permit for that? Just, they were asking questions that like, they didn't Jeez. need, like, uh, she didn't need have to a provide any, right. You don't need a permit. You know, they, they just didn't know. Huh. Um, and, but you know, I have, I've had friends too, where like, um, when I lived in New Jersey, the pastor of our church, he homeschooled his kids. And he was sharing a story with us one time where um, I believe like all the kids kind of got sick at the same time. And you're homeschooled. It's so like, yeah, you're, all your kids are going to get sick at the same time. Then with the doctor, the doctor like filed a report or something. 
thinking that like the parents were abusing their kids because they were sick and they weren't getting out and playing with other kids and they weren't in public school. And like the authorities, they, they had like, they tried to take their kids away. What? Yeah. And he was like, they tried to take my kids away based on nothing, based on this doctor saying, oh, because your kids are sick and they're not in school, there's something wrong with you. Huh. Wow. But, um, yeah, I mean. <laughs> so in your opinion, why do you think that there is this, even to this day, like a huge push against homeschooling? Like the, the comments I've seen on some of your videos, on some of other people's <laughs> videos yeah. are, are kind of wild. Like, you, you know, you, you are setting your children up for failure if you homeschool your kids, because you know, you don't have a teaching teaching certificate. It's like, no, but I have thousands of hours of, of credited college. Like what, like right. what do you, what do you want to talk about? There were hundreds of hours. You know, I think it's just cause we've been indoctrinated to believe that there's only one way to receive an, edu- an education. Mm. Um, like we're literally programmed that way from, from birth, <laughs> mm. you know, everyone goes to school and everyone does go to school. You know, the majority of people in the country do go to school. So they think that there's only one way to do that. One way to be successful. To get, a, to get a successful education is that way, which is just not true. I mean, like public education is, homeschooling has been around way longer than public education. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we got here somehow, um, you know, we got to this yeah. point somehow. Did you ever look at uh, Rockefeller and his change in education? How I have you? not. I have Ooh, not boy, seen that. dude. Okay. So that's when, that's when things started to shift. Um, early 1900s from what I understand, basically, I get this straight. Um, around that same time, the Federal Reserve, you know, it didn't exist. So Rockefeller kind of bought out everybody. He said, "Okay, I'll, I'll I'll be your first." That was the first stimulus that we ever had in the nation was through Rockefeller, private entrepreneur, because he owned everything. Um, and he says, "Okay, I'll, I'll buy you out, uh, but here's here's what we're gonna do. We're also gonna change all education. So." Um, if you want this to occur, then you have to teach them my curriculum. And he gave them a curriculum to basically create the working class. The, uh, be a worker, follow yep. orders. Yep. Okay. Yep. And so Let's if you look, going. Go ahead. You, so yeah, it's pretty easy to follow along. So early 1900s, he says, we're, we're going to create workers. Here, you go to school. Here's the education. Here's the curriculum. And if you look at the curriculum and what these kids were learning prior to that, the standard was way higher prior to Rockefeller getting in, in um involved and creating his own education system post Rockefeller, the education standard continually dropped. Um, and you, you know, as kids, you were learning things that you learned today in high school, but you, then you were learning them then, you know, when you're seven years old. And so it's that continually dumbing down of society, um, control seemingly where you're conditioned, like you said before, you're conditioned to know that you go to school from eight to three, and then you spend another two or three hours at home. Um, and then once you graduate, you do that same thing uh, from a working, from a working class job, you know, eight, yeah, to, five, to, five. Yep. eight to five, nine to five. Yeah. So it, it's like, w- there are better ways to do this. Like you, you don't need to fill up your entire day with learning stupid stuff, things that aren't that practical. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, that, that is kind of a blanket statement and that I do have to be careful about that. Um, but it, it, it shows the progression of where we came from and the dumbing down of our society. And it, it seems like many people, um, maybe in the uppers, I, I don't know where, uh, want to continue that to make sure that there's always a working class, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's funny people get defensive about that, but like you can just look at the curriculum from now and look at it 30 years ago, look at it 100 years ago. 
right? It's very, very different. Mm-hmm. You know, do we as a society get dumber? Like, I mean, I don't think people got dumber over time. Like what, what, <laughs> why are these changes happening? Right. You know, what mm-hmm. happened to, you know? So, I mean, that's a good question to ask. Why do you think that's a good question to ask? If, if that's, well, no, I totally agree with you. I think that's, it's to create a working class, a permanent working class, you know, um, to create people that can follow orders well, not be critical thinkers and then do what they're told. And people say that, oh, that's pretty extreme. I'm like, well, I mean, <laughs> mm. I mean, just look at the results. I just want to provide like an example to like, to a point, like it's not, I'm not saying that like, cause I was, cause we were homeschooled, we're, we're infinitely smarter than everyone, oh, yeah. right? Correct. Say we have, we think about things differently mm-hmm. that are considered kind of unorthodox and um, we, we question things. And so like, um, you know, when I was in college, I was in this, I was taking this freshman um, environmental studies course, which was a general gen ed course that we all had to take. Um, and sorry about that. There we go. And, um, you know, one <laughs> the, on the very first day, the instructor said, Hey, we're going to define what the word subjective means and objective, you know? And so we kind of spent like 30 minutes doing that, you know, what's objective, what's subjective. And then he said, all right, everything in this course is objective, everything. And I stopped and I paused and I'm like, hmm, that's an odd statement to make in a, um, you know, and and I guess in this class, <laughs> mm-hmm. this is not a math class, right? This is well, not a. St- what was the class? Environmental studies. Okay. So we talked about things like climate change and. And then, but also like solutions and solutions are highly subjective. I mean, you can't argue with that. Solutions Mm. are highly subjective, right? You can argue left and right all day long about um, if climate change is happening, but um, you know, that, that can be objective or not, but solutions to a problem is definitely subjective. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I remember going, uh, I was in putting this group um, with these two girls that were, it was a freshman class. So the girls were freshmen. I was a senior because I needed the class to graduate. So like <laughs> I took kind of this weird backwards, you know, kind of roundabout way of getting my education. Um, funny Same. story about that. I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll explain that in a second, but we were, I was in this group with these two girls, you know, like three, three months, four months out of high school. And um, we were given the solution. And I was like, uh, I don't know if this is like the only solution to this problem. And they're like, mm-hmm. and they looked at me they're like, no, this is objective. This is the way that the that we're going to solve. I don't remember what the problem was, but this is the way that we're going to solve this climate issue. This mm-hmm. is the solution. I was like, hold on, hold on. There are multiple different ways to approach this solution, not just one. And they're like, oh, no, the teacher said this is the one way to do it. I'm like, who, who, and who, and, and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a great example, but like, yeah, I just, I, that took, that just made me stop and think like, wow, I mean, how many of these kids believe that everything in this course that we're learning is, is only objective is Mm -hmm. the only truth is, is the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, not the only truth. There's only one truth, but, uh, (laughs) is the truth. And I was like, this is, this is kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I just, that kind of opened my eyes to like, you know, the kids aren't really being taught how to, how to think a certain way. Uh, they're taught how to think one way and to yeah. listen to the authority figure. In this case, it's, um, you know, the professor, school professor, yeah. you know, that's yeah. wild. Yeah. yeah. It, that brings me back to, uh, one of the things I learned in my humanities course and is, is literally bias is in there. You can't get rid of full of biases. 
And that goes that and they go hand in hand with objectivity and subjectivity. What you think is objective or not or subjective is directly proportional to your biases. And you can't get rid no matter how much you try journalism or even these conversations, we have specific biases that we can't get rid of, no matter how hard we try. Right. Um, Don't listen to people that say they're unbiased. It's not true. They're lying. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. Like it's it's and it's literally ingrained in our DNA. The physical biases are ingrained in our DNA from birth. Um, and that's the study of epigenetics and the genome that is very fascinating to me. But back to humanities, like what exactly what you're saying, you know, there is and that's uh, it was really brought to light during the pandemic, honestly, where a lot of people were saying, hey, like there's some other stuff here that could work. Um, what I don't, I'm not getting into a vaccine debate, but or COVID debate, to be honest, like COVID is real. Vaccine can help. Don't get me wrong. But that was the one thing that everybody was pushing. And, and there, that's just really there were more solutions there were better solutions seemingly um, than just the silver bullet. If it, what I'm finding is that if, if people are touting a silver bullet for a solution, it's probably wrong because typically there's never one silver bullet to any solution. When you look at our world today, in my opinion, right. They're either narrow minded or they they got something going on that you don't, you're not, you're unaware of. <laughs> yeah. It's weird, man. We live in a weird world. <laughs> like, I don't know. Have you heard of the fourth turning? The fourth turning? Yeah. No, what is that? Okay, so there's four phases of every 80 years this occurs, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and it go, they go through phases. Oh, I have to look this up now. Hang on. <laughs> and it kind of goes back to, like, we're talking about, like, history repeating itself. How yeah. every, every 80 years, we kind of have a big war, and it, it led up to that type of generation. So hang on one sec. Oh, is this kind of like the hard times create similar man type of thing similar gotcha. yeah but okay. there's there's uh the, it's called the fourth turning it's a book by oh william strauss of course and it's hard not to like tackle some of these um ideas about society and the world without getting too far deep into a rabbit hole of conspiracy theories <laughs> that just aren't true uh-huh. um, but but this one the way they lay it out is very interesting and shows back that that pattern so the summer of the fourth turning the Fourth Turning is a book by William Strauss and Neil Howe. It outlines the, uh, the foundation for what is now known as the Strauss-Howe uh, generational theory. The main tenet of the book is that American and global history follows a generational cycle. The cycle is defined by four turnings, each lasting about 20 years. Generational archetypes play a crucial role in historical events, and these archetypes reoccur. The cycle of the Fourth Turning is called a seculum and is roughly the length of human life. So the book offers a detailed description of the underlying philosophy, and the key idea is seasonality. The author, the authors offer their findings from nature and history to claim that the cyclical nature of time permeates all life, including American history. I'm going to skip down. Um, so the cyclical, cyclical uh, generational attitudes are the prime factor in analyzing history, history and politics. According to Strauss and Howe, the authors claim that race, gender, economic, class, religion, and political beliefs are all less influential in determining the course of history. This claim is controversial, they say, as authors reflect on their stance against other prominent academics. And they compare and contrast. Um, but he, in the book, he breaks down each 20 years. And right now we're at the, at the last cycle of 20 years it's supposed to end in 2028 supposedly around 2028 and they say it's between 80 and 90 years so we're at 2022 right now so we're kind of approaching what he they say that cycle creates another world war 
And every 80 years, we had a major war going back all the way to the Revolutionary War. Um, and I was like putting together, oh, that kind of makes sense. And we're about to maybe get into another huge conflict with Russia and things, Ukraine. Things are heating up right now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting to me how these type of cycles occur with patterns and numbers. And um, I don't know. I don't know how I got on that. <laughs> I was going to say, how do we get here? <laughs> I don't know. We're talking about homeschooling, but the, just thinking differently. I think that was yeah. the, the big yeah. one here. Thinking um, differently. I have another example, actually. And I did a TikTok talk about this recently. Um, this was my freshman year college. So I was actually a freshman this time in this freshman course, not a senior. Um, <laughs> and so it was an English class. Um, and the instructor wanted us to pick a poem. And then basically he said the assignment was do in a uh, creative interpretation of a poem. Right. Pretty open ended, extremely open ended. Right. And so what I did is I chose the Jabberwocky, which is extremely homeschool. I know uh, Lewis Carroll's Jabberwocky from mm-hmm. I believe it was through the looking glass, not Alice Wonderland. I believe it's the uh, through the looking glass. Mm-hmm. Sounds right. And um, what I did is I went to the library and I got like construction paper, different colors, construction paper, printed it out, um, printed out like cartoons and little anime characters from like from mm-hmm. online. And I basically basically made like a pop up picture book by hand and uh, bounded and everything. And it told the story of the Jabberwocky of the poem. Hmm. And then um, assignments were due and everyone was turning their assignment. And I was like, oh, am I the weirdo? Because everyone, all everyone did was they just wrote a paper about the poem. Hmm. Every single person in that class just wrote like a paper, like a two page paper about Hmm. the poem turned it in and I wrote like, or I made like this pop-up picture book that's bound and I put it like a turn and bend and I'm like, how homeschool obvious. Yeah. But um, <laughs> that's what's interesting is that um, everyone did the same assignment. Everyone produced the same thing, but me. And I don't know if it's cause I was creative like naturally or whatever, but like, or cause I was homeschooled, but I thought about the assignment in a different way. And the instructor, mm-hmm. actually, I got an A and the instructor said, he took my, he took my uh, picture book and he said, this is the example I wanted. All mm. of you did papers. This is what I actually wanted. He gave me an A and he, and he kept my assignment. He said, mm. I'm going to use it for future examples. Um, yeah. There's, a, there's like, a lot of that though. Exactly what you're saying where that, where, uh, whether it be college or work or like, typically I, I've seen a, a lot of my peers, we just think differently. Um, Cause a lot of my peers to, the, to this day, we're still, we're homeschooled. Um, and the, the thinking differently, the expectation of like, like when I got into the workforce and when my friends got into the workforce, we just, we did above and beyond typically. And so we were recognized for that. Um, and it seems like when other peers are getting into the workforce who maybe not, who maybe don't think the same way that we do, uh, they just do the bare minimum. I don't know if that's from homeschooling. I don't know if that's from burnout. I, I honestly don't know. Um, but there is something different about how we were raised and a lot of my peers were raised and exactly what you're saying. No, I agree. And that's not the case for every homeschooler. Absolutely. (laughs) I know some that are not really, uh, that do the bare minimum, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess, I don't know if it was our parents' expectations, but yeah, it was, we were always performing, you know, be, do, do your best. You know, mm-hmm. in every situation that you're in, I don't know if that's homeschooling. I don't know if that's uh, my religious background, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I feel yeah. that too. Uh-huh. So, with uh, one of the other things that people usually bring up regarding 
um, homeschooling is the social issues, right? Uh, so tell, yeah. tell me about the social. I mean, obviously we can hold a great conversation with just meeting each other. So obviously the conversational aspect is not an issue for us homeschoolers. So tell me how you kind of uh, have fought some of these ideas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that homeschoolers are, you'll socially ruin your kid is the biggest myth Yeah, in the homeschool <laughs> community. Like it's just not true. Uh-huh. I mean, people are always shocked. Like you were homeschooled. Oh my gosh. You're so normal. I never knew. I was like, yeah, yeah, I was homeschooled. Um, granted, I mean like, yeah, people are shy. Um, my sister is really shy and that would have been the case if, even if she was public schooled, Right. Um, but anyway, that's, that's a side, side note. She's completely <laughs> fine. She's not socially awkward. Just let people know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so what, what, what my social aspect looked like growing up is I would hang out with my, with my homeschool friends, like four to five time, days out of the week, like quite yep. often. I was a pretty yep. social butterfly. Um, if we were not a co-op together, we were over at each other's houses um, doing schoolwork together. Or after we finished our school, we would come over and maybe do group projects or just hang out, you yep. know? Um. We were with, I was with other people all the time. And the weird thing is people think that are weird about homeschoolers is um, my friend group, wide range of ages. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when I was a freshman, sophomore in high school, my friend group ranged from seniors in high school all the way down to seventh graders. And that was normal. Yep. People didn't think like, we didn't think it was weird. We didn't think it was weird at all. Yep. Um, we would just get along with anybody and everybody. Um, and we just hang out all the time. It, it just, it really wasn't a problem. It's not like we were, uh, <laughs> we never saw people. We never left our house. Uh, we would leave our house quite often. In fact, one of my good homeschool friends who is a, uh, a youth pastor now, he used to ask his mom if we could not go out because they went out too much. <laughs> He's like, mom, can we just not go out today? Just, yep. <laughs> he was yep. in one of my, he was in my friend group. I would always drag him out, but, um, we live very busy lives as well. And sports yeah. is a big, big, uh, portion of that. Oh yeah. Uh, I want to talk about that too. I, I played a sport growing up. Um, I fenced growing up. Fenced? Right? Really? Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> I definitely didn't do that, but tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so with, with homeschooling, you can take advantage of your daytime, right? And here's my story about taking advantage of your daytime. Um, I lived in an area, I lived in Jersey at the time, New Jersey. And, um, uh, I live really close to one of the best fencing coaches in the country. And he had a wait list of, <laughs> he had a wait list of like one to two years, Jeez, which was crazy. Yeah. A long time. And I had started fencing a little bit later than my peers. Um, so like I couldn't wait one to two years. I would be like too old. I'd be like probably seven, uh, 18, 17, 18. If I waited that long, but because we had homeschooled, I could go take classes from him during the day. I didn't have to wait until after school, like everybody else. That's cool. So I, I would, double up on lessons during the day with him and then do my fencing practice with everyone else and do free fencing in the evening with everyone else. So I was able to have access to one of the best fencers, fencing coaches in the country hmm. simply because I was homeschooled. Um, and I was able to, to beat people that were fencing three, two to three times longer than I had simply because I was under his tutelage hmm. um, and was able to, and I fenced in college as well um, because of that. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Wait, I mean, uh, yeah. So that that's, again, the system that we have in place with the public edu- education system seems to just zap all the time that kids have to do anything outside of like 
homeschool or not uh, anything outside of their homework, their homework and their regular work at, in classroom work. And that's frustrating to me, man. That, that's really frustrating to me. You know, I, uh, growing up, I, we had, uh, I played basketball, man, that, basketball and baseball were my, my two ones that I played. Uh, and, and homeschool basketball is actually pretty huge in Texas. Um, some homeschool teams would go and beat, you know, division or not division one, um, some of the best private and public schools in the, in the state. Um, and I think there was, there was one guy who's playing on the Mavs right now that I uh, went to state with, I didn't play against them, but Justin Jackson, he was, he, or he was playing on the Mavericks. Now he's playing, I don't know where, but Justin Jackson was one and of those He was guys. homeschooled? Yep. He was homeschooled. Oh, that's and, awesome. uh, yeah, he, uh. He would always go to the state and national tournaments uh, with all the homeschool teams, and we always see him there and watch him play. It's pretty cool to watch. Um, so that's another one of those social aspects that people don't really realize is, is there. Like we had a robust social and sports academic uh, picture always growing up or growing up throughout our entire life that really rounded, I think, both of us into the, the person that we are today that thinks differently than a lot of what we've noticed our peers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that to that point, you know, being around other homeschoolers is um, where I think a lot of people get confused when say, when homeschoolers say they don't fit in. Mm. Right. I remember I did a TikTok one time and I said I didn't fit in my first couple of years of college. And people were like, well, you, you know, there are so many ways to socialize. This is an unsocialized person. This person needs to get out more. And I'm like, no, I mean, I socialize all the time just with other homeschoolers. When I say I don't fit in, I don't fit in with the mainstream popular public school crowd. Mm. You know, there's a major difference there. Um, we can go down that tangent a little bit later, but like talking about the sports and taking advantage of your daytime. Yeah. I mean, if you're well, not even, taking advantage of your daytime, you're not homeschooling the right way. Yeah. Yeah. And like, as we get kind of down that road, like you're saying, um, I mean, I never partied. I just, I never saw that it was beneficial. Like uh, it seemed like it was a waste of my time to go party and get, and get wasted, you know, while I got other things to do. Um, and I, I don't know if that's kind of what you were talking about. Well, yeah, I mean, I went to my not first, fitting in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just, I didn't have any ex-girlfriends, you yeah. know, I didn't drink, you know, under age, you know, at 18, 19. Um, you know, I wasn't really into the locker room talk because, you know, your mom, your moms are always all over the place in the homeschool. <laughs> and so like that just, it just didn't fly. Um, <laughs> yep. Yep. You know, I just wasn't in, you know, I didn't really know the popular TV shows, popular music. And that's mm -hmm. different if you're into music and TV shows, just, you know, as a kid, I wasn't. And so I wasn't around people that were either. So I just didn't fit in that way. What I didn't realize is like, I, I fed, I found a crowd to fit into. It just wasn't the popular mainstream crowd. Mm. Um, and I was popular as a homeschooler, which <laughs> what's the popular homeschool look like? That's, <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a different animal. But <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. But I thought I would fit in with the popular public schoolers, and I just I didn't, you know. Um, I found so, my own people. So that's kind of a the the counter argument to that would be saying that you're that you're sheltered. Would you feel that you're sheltered? No, nah, no way. I mean, yeah. like if you if you think if you think uh, not knowing, like uh, not listening to the latest Kanye West, who was popular at the time, you know, when I was in when I was high school, is, is being <laughs> sheltered. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I've I've travel i've traveled over 25 states growing up i've lived in eight different states i was interacting with people that were 40 years old to like mm -hmm. five years old at a constant basis yeah um i focused on i think important things in life i think i was mature i don't think it was sheltered yeah um so i guess i'm still learning i guess the uh, what Go is ahead. the definition of sheltered though because like right exactly <laughs> yeah so you traveled across the country um, had a variety of topics and experiences that your peers didn't. So who's more sheltered? You who 
had so many different experiences or them who really just think that this main pop culture is the way to go. Yeah, that is, that is a good question. So what's the, what's um, the definition of shelter? What's the definition of shelter? I mean, I had way more experiences than a lot of my peers. Um, and as an 18 year old, I mean like that, I didn't care. I just wanted to fit in with them, which is why I felt like uh, my mom ruined my life homeschooling me. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, they just what things I wanted to focus on things that weren't important. And I'm like, in the grand scheme of things, who cares if I didn't watch uh, Family Guy <laughs> growing up? It's like, yeah. And I know a lot of homeschoolers who who weren't like you and I seemingly were raised very similarly, um, but a lot of homeschoolers weren't like they. I, I'm still a good friend of mine today has always been in that scene, and he, he like he he's taught me a lot because he's out not not necessarily in that scene. I don't want to say that, um, but he just new pop culture. Like I, I, to this day, still don't know pop culture cause I'd never really cared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, he just knows the styles. He knows the music, he knows the lyrics. So if I ever want to uh, learn anything regarding that type of culture, I always, I'd always just see what's up, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't teach me about this, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a very interesting thing. So as we kind of wrap up, um, you know, families are still trying to decide, 2020, 2021, um, if homeschooling, sh- they should do it. And it seems like it's on the rise, you know, between two and 8% year over year. Um, two income families make it very difficult. You know, if the mom and the dad are both working, make it very difficult to make that choice. So what would you say to somebody who might be in that situation where they want to homeschool, but they just can't afford it? What, do you, what would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say really look at, you know, the sacrifices you're willing to make. Cause, cause it's not like my, my mom didn't work. <laughs> and then she's like, Oh, I'm going to homeschool my kids. Cause I don't work. No, she worked before she had kids. She worked when she had kids and she decided to quit her job so she could homeschool us. Um, and yeah, we had to get into us. We had to move into a smaller house. Um, you know, at the downsides, they make sacrifices, but you know, it, it turned out well for, for the majority of my, for my siblings and I, you know, I think a lot of people think they can't homeschool because of like, oh, well, you know, my lifestyle, I can't afford it. Like, you know, everyone, you can, everyone can make a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying everyone can homeschool, but everyone can make a sacrifice yeah. for their kids. Um, if you want your kids to grow up, you know, um, with values and morals, if those are important to you, as, as well as their education. If you want them to be protected from what's going on in the public school right now, whatever, whatever reason, whether that's... Um, your faith, politics, or just bullying, you know, that's, that's a problem too. Um, whatever it may be, you know, is, is that sacrifice worth it to your kid? I will say though, that there are a lot of, uh, public schoolers and families that have a lot of strong morals and values. Um, oh yeah. And so I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it is, it is a different world though, a vastly different world, um, in the public school system versus the homeschool system. Uh, I just think that it is, it is, important to to distinguish between the two because i know i I still have a lot i think a lot of friends who you know grew up up at school and they're some of the greatest people morally and valued uh than 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 some of my homeschool counterparts i mean yeah my wife my wife was public schooled exactly i think she has great values and morals as well yeah uh it's just easy i think um i think kids are going to make their choices no matter what you do to help guide them in whatever direction you think is going to be the best for them. They're going to make their own choices. And that's what kind of sucks um, in a way. 
because you don't want to control your kids. You don't want to overbear your kids. And I, th- I feel like a lot of parents are fear that that might take place if they're, if they homeschool them. Um, really just like, like pour into pouring into them is, is massive. Now that, that was for, for me growing up, you have my parents and my mom pouring into me and my siblings in the way that they did, I think really set me up for some really cool, uh, mindsets today, you know? Yeah. I mean, likewise, I definitely think my parents did the same thing for me yeah. for sure. Yeah. Well, um, what is, uh, what are some of the last things you want to say before we kind of wrap up? Oh man. I mean, I could go on and on and on, yeah. but <laughs> I know we went on a lot of like random rabbit trails, but those, I don't know. I like rabbit trails. They're kind of fun. Sometimes yeah, they're fun. They are fun. Um, I'll say this, you know, if here's a little plug for myself, because I'll do that. <laughs> you know, if you, if you are interested in, you know, in, in homeschooling, if you don't know what the result looks like, or if you're looking just for encouragement and advice from other homeschool parents, you know, that's, that's what my podcast is. That's all we talk about, you know, a lot of different um, perspectives, you know, we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, everything's not perfect, you know, just stop on by. It's the, it's the homeschool effect podcast. Uh, look, I'm on app, Spotify, Apple podcasts, et cetera. So that's my little plug. But additionally, you know, <laughs> not cool, man. Home, homeschooling is, um, you know, it's, I'll, I'll say this. It's not linear, just like everything in life, just like parenting, you know, it's not linear. Your homeschool success story is not, oh, my kid got into an Ivy League school. Mm. Yay, I succeeded. No, is did your kid kick into an Ivy League school and did he stay true to himself, true to his values, true to his morals? You know, does he not dive off the deep end? I know so many people, public schooled and private schooled and, and homeschooled, that get into very, you know, that seem like they graduate high school and they're set up for success, but they end up failing because they don't have a rock. You know, um, hmm. make sure your kids are set up for success, you know, and have that structure and, and you know, that rock they, that they can stand on because your homeschool success story is not, oh, my kid got into Harvard or whatever. And congratulations. Goodbye. No, it was like, are they thriving? Are they doing well? Hmm. Do they are know they who they are? They yeah. they, are they mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy? Are they okay? You know? And that's, that, that's you can, your homeschool success story. Yeah. And you can kind of attribute that to how you were raised that pouring into your, from, mm-hmm. your, from your parents. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, man, it was uh, it was truly a pleasure. I'd like to have you on again. Uh, just chit chat about random stuff. Cause you're, you're an intellect. I can tell. And uh, <laughs> maybe we could talk about some other random rabbit trail stories here in a bit. Hey, I'd love to. I'd love to. It's great. All awesome. right, brother. Caleb, have thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate yes, it. Yes, sir. Bye.